Well, good morning. So we believe strongly in missions. This is why we. This is why the Travers are here. We believe strongly in missions. You're going to hear over the next few weeks as part of the, the vision that I'm spelling out. What how missions fits into this, and what this means for us. And because our goal at Church of Briargate is for every single person, to be involved in missions. Um, we don't we don't have a financial goal that we want you to be involved in this much. That's between you and God. But we want you to be involved financially and in prayer, for for missions and missionaries. That's I think that's our responsibility. One of the things that I've been seeing, specifically the last decade, is um, churches are doing away with missions. They're, they're just not giving to missions anymore. And specifically, Assemblies of God churches like ours that are not giving to missions anymore. You say, well, why is that important? What makes, why does it matter if Assemblies of God are not? The Assemblies of God was started. There was a, there was a bunch of people being filled with the Holy Spirit at the, at the uh, turn of the 20th century. And they were being kicked out of their churches because now all of a sudden they believe in healing and crazy things like speaking in tongues and stuff like that. And so, um, just so you know, we believe in that. But uh, So they'd be kicked out of their churches, and, they, and this big group of them got together, a couple hundred of them got together and said, well, let's form a, a group. We're not a denomination, we're a fellowship. And they said, let's form this. And the reason was so that they could put their money together and mobilize missionaries. There's four reasons. That's one of the four. Another one of the four is so that they could uh, build institutions, universities, colleges, and things like that to train missionaries to go to the mission field. That's the point of this. And so for Assembly of God Church to not have missions makes no sense to me. That's who we are. That's, our, that's, that's the essence of uh, our beginnings. And so we believe strongly in missions, and we want every single person at Church at Briargate to be in, involved financially and in prayer because of what it does for you, but then also what it means, and I'll explain this, what it means around the world and how that financially all works together. So, um, <clears throat> you know, and Paul did mention to me, he's got, he's got uh, Paul Stanback, he's got this sweater on that is German, and it has to do with uh, lederhosen. It's part of a concept of lederhosen or something like that? Okay, so he said, and I didn't wear lederhosen because I didn't, I didn't, you know, want to do that to you guys. But I, for me personally, I think the next time he comes, he should wear later hosen. Right? You know what? So, so I am a very powerful, influential leader in politics. So I believe we should do this democratically. How many of you think he should wear later hosen next time he comes? There you go. There you go. So, so you saw out in the foyer, you saw the tables, the life groups, all this stuff. Guys, this is, this is also, and I'll be explaining some this morning and continuing over the next few weeks, explaining how life groups fit into who we are. This is, um, this is very important to us as a church, the life groups. Since you've got the, the uh, tables out there, you've got the life group leaders, you've got the snacks and everything, and the reason is we want you to be thinking and processing what life groups is and how it can impact you. We, we, the... Uh, the tagline for life groups is um, join one, start one. We want you to think like that. We want you to process what it means to be involved. Um, so, I, so I have the journey one Sunday night a month in my house. That's a discipleship class. And then it's followed up by Pastor Rick's, which is um, shepherding, uh, shepherding and being shepherded. I think I have that in the wrong order. But this is the concept is every single one of us need to be being shepherded by somebody, and every one of us need to be shepherding. We need to be ministered to by somebody, and that is not me, okay? 
What I'm talking about, I accomplish a specific role within this, but I am not the um, shepherd mentor for us. That is a much more individualistic uh, level. That is where you are engaging with a handful of people. Um, you are being ministered to and you are ministering to people. Okay, what I'm doing is more of a, of a corporate context. Our life groups is how we're trying to get this done. And we've even talked about this some, that as we, as we go into the future, we don't know what the church is going to look like in the next 5, 10, even 20 years. But I believe that it is going to be necessary for all of us to see ourselves as a shepherd to people and that we are actively being shepherded. That you need to see yourself. You need to start. If you don't see yourself this way now, you need to start transitioning and letting the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you to get the idea that you are a minister and a pastor and a leader and a teacher of people. Okay? You're also going to have those people in your life. And this is what our life groups accomplish. We want you engaged. We want you, we want you interacting with people on a much, much more uh, close, intimate level where it's... Um, it's, this, is, this is a little mini church kind of mentality, okay? Which is, which is how the New Testament describes a lot of this kind of stuff. So this morning, <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Isaac, would you grab me a bottle of water over there? I drank my other one from first service. One of the things I found out is um, when my, uh, I'm a diabetic now, but I earned it. It's not that... <laughs> Not that uh, other kind where you're born with it. I, I worked for mine. And so my mouth gets really dry when my sugar is really high. <clears throat> so what happened was yesterday, I said this in first service, but Linda, I know they're going to just text Linda, so I might as well say it in second service, is I was looking through the refrigerator because I've been, as I'm going to, to Denver every day, I'm losing weight. I, um, because I don't eat until the evening. I don't eat during the day because I don't know what my schedule is and I'm still trying to figure it out and all that stuff. So I don't eat and I've been losing weight. So I'm trying to make up for it on the weekends and, um, fix that. So last night I was looking through the refrigerator and there was a whole can of whipped cream and it hadn't even been opened yet. Right? There is nothing as satisfying as that. You know where I'm at with that. So the day I can't talk. So... <clears throat> Here's, here's what I'm going to try to do this morning. Uh, talk about this the last few weeks. I'm going to continue to talk about, about this for six more weeks. Um, who we are as a church, what we're trying to accomplish. I want to I put this in the middle of this to make sure we understand this is, this is why we exist. This is who we are. This is what we're trying to do. Okay, this is not, it's not accident. We, we actually have um, direction. So the, uh, our mission statement, Church of Briargate exists to enable people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to supernaturally draw close to Jesus Christ and to bring as many others along as possible. This is not just, you know, words on a page. I've helped a lot of pastors over the years develop mission statements and uh, so that they can put them in nice script on the walls of the foyer of their church and never think about them again. And that's not, that's not what we're doing. We really do see this as what defines us, that we are trying to draw closer to Jesus, every one of us. doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual walk, you're trying to, or, you're, or we're trying to help you draw closer to Jesus Christ. We want you to pursue the Lord, to really go after him. And that there is never a point in your Christian walk where you say, okay, I'm, I'm there, I've got there. 
You're always going to be pursuing, always going to be pursuing. We're going to be doing anything we can to try to accomplish that. But here's the part that seems to be missing in a lot of, um, a lot of church contexts. You usually have a church that will say, well, we're, we're about discipleship, which usually means teaching. It just means class teaching. Um, every now and then it actually means biblical discipleship, which is you're going to somebody that's not saved and you begin to draw them with you toward Jesus Christ and you disciple them in Jesus along the way. And, and that means a life process. That's not a, that's not a, um, a, a moment where somebody gets saved. That's a life. That's doing life together. And so the idea that we're going to Draw, we're going to supernaturally draw close to Jesus Christ. You, you cannot do that unless you are bringing others with you. Jesus specifically said this. And this is where the church gets very confused about this. We think we can love God and serve God. And I've been watching this all my life. where We, we can serve God and love God, but, but we're not bringing others with us. We're not actually making disciples of the lost. And somehow we say, well, that fits. You know, the love God... The love of God, love others, we think just love God. And guys, we've been doing that for a long, long time in the church. Well, we love God. Well, what about the others that he created that he loves just as much as you? And so the idea that we can supernaturally draw close to Jesus and not bring others with us, that is not biblical. And the church has got to break that thought process. We've got to be bringing people along with us, and that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're constantly trying to accomplish here, okay? So, so anytime, anytime you ever hear me use the word disciple, I'm actually talking about going to lost people. I'm not talking about going to a classroom and sitting in a classroom. Those have their places. That's what our life groups are about, some of them, but that's very limited when it comes to the big picture, right? I, I've grown up in this, in the church, I've seen this. I, a generation before me have grown up in the church, and we can sit in classrooms day after day after year after year after decade after decade, but nobody's getting saved. Something's wrong with our model. Okay? So, here's who we are. We're people. We're going to be three things we're focusing on this year. People of faith, people of witness, and people of purpose. Now, I'm going to unpack that. I've been saying that the last few weeks, but I want to unpack that a little bit this morning. Now, now... The first two things that I talked about this year, the first two messages, are the, are the first two of what I would consider a basic Christianity. There's five basic things that I'm going to go over, and we're going to tag a few other things. But um, pe- being people of Scripture, being people of prayer, that was week one, week two. Um, being, uh, being biblical in these things, having a biblical worldview of Scripture and understanding and engagement, not just go, yeah, we think the Bible is important, but being engaged. Uh, being engaged in prayer, being engaged scripturally in finances, being engaged in holiness. Holiness has seemed to be kind of left out of the um, conversation nowadays in church mentality. Uh, I read a statistic to you a couple years ago that overwhelmingly in the, six, in the high 60 percentile of Christians under 30 years old see no problem with uh, casual sex. They, they do not think that sex is something that has to be part of marriage. These are, these are under 30-year-olds in the church that consider themselves to be Christians. Okay, there's, there's, there's some problems there. We've got to, we got to focus on holiness, what it means to really say, God, you, you've got guidelines. You've got rules. You've got laws. We've got to follow those. 
We can't just choose to not. We, we, this, is, this is a weird thing that has become, it's always been part of the church thinking. That's why the, all the stuff's in the Bible. But in the last 20 years, it has become mainstream church mentalities that we don't really have to go by the Bible. The Bible just says things and you choose what you want. We've got to focus in on that and then worship. What does it mean to be a worshiping individual? And, and uh, I said a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going, to, I'm going to do this the whole year, not just this, um, this eight weeks of this. Um, but I'm going to be weaving throughout the whole year. I'm going to be weaving um, what it means to listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I, I don't do enough teaching on operating the gifts of the Spirit, and I need to, because it's necessary for us, guys. It's vital. It's important for us as a, as a body of believers that the gifts of the Spirit are there. And so... Um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack the people of faith, people of witness, and people of purpose a little bit more here in a second. But I want to look at a couple of scriptures to kind of set some things up for us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> for me personally, this is one of the most sobering scriptures in the entire New Testament. This, this whole part of Scripture I'm going to read here is, is um, not just sobering, it's almost downright frightening. Because basically the Lord is saying, there's a lot of people that think they belong to me, but they don't. They do, they're doing all the church stuff. They're even doing it, you'll see as we read th- through this, they're even doing it at a higher level, level than probably most, if not all of us in this room, but they don't know the Lord. Or the right way to say it is the Lord doesn't know them in relationship. Guys, that's, if that doesn't convict you, it doesn't matter who you are as a Christian. That should convict you. He starts off, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, it's interesting because he says those who will do the will of God. Now, look at what he says next. Because usually what we would put in the category of doing the will of God, it it. It's, they're not, they think they're doing it, but they're not. He says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Now, this is what I do with this. Where am I in these three things he mentions? Where am I? Because this is what the people are saying is doing the will of God. And this is pretty high level stuff, right? In spiritual walk. Where, where are we? When I look at this, I'm doing all of these some, but not as much as it appears to me in the scripture that they're doing. They say, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name. So you got to ask yourself, are you walking in the authority of Jesus consistently and enough that you're casting out demons? Now, here's one of the things that I've seen, okay, in in years of ministry, is a lot of Americans think that there's nobody around them that are demon-possessed. Because we, we just don't have that in America. Oh, sure, that's somewhere else, like Africa or, or India or places like that. But we don't have to possess people in America. Um, guys, they're all around you all the time. The, a good example. The, the, there are people that are possessed by Satan around you constantly. Constantly. Now... In society today, we've, we've put a lot of this. Now, now, there are legitimate mental health issues in cases like that. I'm not negating that. But a lot of times what we do is we say 
when we come across somebody that is possessed, we say, well, that's um, some kind of uh, mental health or medical thing. It's schizophrenia or something, so we just give them medicine or stuff like that. There really is schizophrenia. I'm not saying there isn't. But there are also people that are possessed. And we do not know what to do with that in America because we have so sanitized our, our Christianity that there really isn't spiritual stuff going on. But here's the reality. There is. We've, we've had possessed people come to our church services. And by the way, they go to other ones too. They don't just pick on us. But we've had it in the middle of the week where somebody will walk in and they're possessed. Well, we first recognizing that. Discernment. That's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, discerning that. And then praying about that and doing something about that. To, to where we're praying, not just God help them feel better, but Satan, you do not have authority over this person. You come out of that person. And, he, and this is one of the things he's saying here. We've cast out demons in your name. We've performed many miracles in your name. And this isn't like a, uh, this isn't like a fake where they're not really doing it in their name. Um, this is, that is not discussed at all here. This is, it is, this is gone, going with the assumption that these things are true. Okay, they're not debating whether these things are true. What Jesus is saying is that you can do all of this stuff in the name of Jesus. In other words, you are walking in the authority of Jesus because his name is powerful whether you're a Christian or not. Okay? And you're walking, people are doing miracles in the name of Jesus. So put yourself in there. And these three things, prophesy in his name, cast out demons, do uh, mighty miracles. What, where are you in that? Because at the end of it, he says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Because that's, that's devastating. These people weren't doing all this stuff trying to intentionally be not Christian. They thought they were, but... But here's the thing is, they didn't, Jesus says, I didn't know you. I, did, I wasn't in a relationship with you. You were doing all the stuff. You were doing all the church stuff. You were going through all the things that church people are supposed to do. You were going by the rules, apparently for the most part. But somewhere there was something missing. And that was that deep personal relationship with Jesus. He says, I didn't know you. I saw the stuff you were doing, but I didn't know you. And then he says, even stronger, get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now you're saying, well, they were doing God's laws. But see, what, is the real, what are the, the two greatest commandments? Love God with everything. Love. Not do the stuff. Doing the stuff must flow out of relationship with Jesus. Love relationship with Jesus. It is so easy for us as humans. It's, it's human nature to, to naturally want to do stuff so that we get God's favor and blessing. We do stuff so that we get bonus points. I, I, I joke around with people, sort of, that, that, if, that if you bring me bacon, you get bonus points. In heaven, God like gives you <laughs> credits. You can use those. Somehow. And I want to go on record right now to say it's not really totally true, okay? <laughs> Probably not all the way true. But here's the thing. You know, we do this. Guys, this is so much human nature. Every group, any church, denomination, anything, we do this. And by the way, all the uh, non, um, the, the cults out there, they do the same thing. Have you ever heard of Karma. 
What is karma but trying to earn some kind of spiritual favor? We do the same thing in the church. Well, if I go to church like three weeks in a row, I should be good for like two weeks. I don't have to go to church two weeks. And if I, if I give extra in the offering this week, I probably can be a jerk to my boss at work for at least an hour. I mean, you know, we probably don't write it down like that. You guys, we do this. We, we think there's a favor thing going on. We think if we do all the stuff, that God is better with us. The stuff should flow out of relationship. God constantly uses the terminology through New Testament, Old Testament, but strongly through the Old Testament, that when we're not really committed to him, we are prostituting ourselves to something else. So what it is, if you bring it into a marriage relationship, because that's the context, if you bring it into a marriage relationship, you can say um, you love your spouse all day long. You can buy them flowers. You can do all the good stuff that you're supposed to do as a, as a spouse. But if you're cheating on them, there's no relationship. It's just a fake. We do the same thing with God. These, these are God's words, right? Verse 24, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who's built a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. And, and I've always thought that. I do that with my own self. I know God said do this. I know I'm not doing it. But somehow I convince myself that I'm good. Right? That, I, that, I'm, that I'm okay. Although I'm not doing what he's told me to do. Every one of us in here knows what that is. We've all done that. So, so here's, the, here's the deal with me is, well, wouldn't it just be easier to do what God said? That makes so much sense, but we struggle with that so much. Just do what God says. Doesn't mean it's necessarily easier, but it's way better. It's way better. Just do what he says. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. The, the idea that this is all... See, I, I want us as, as followers of Jesus, I want you as an individual to, to build your existence, your relationship with God on, on the word of God, on Jesus himself. I want you to do that. As a, as a body, we will all benefit if you do. But even if we don't benefit, it is vital for you to build your existence on Jesus, not church stuff. I was thinking about this last night while I was eating that whole can of whipped cream. The church really likes whipped cream. We, we just do. It's easier. It's easier to come to a service and everything's, you know, cool. And I was telling somebody before service. Oh, yeah, Scott. I was telling Scott before service. Um, we're not really the coolest church in town. <laughs> we're just not. There's way cooler churches. And they have cooler things. They have cooler people-ish looking things. They, they dress cooler. I don't know. Just put it whatever category you want. I don't really know what makes cool sometimes. But they got all the lights and they got all the stuff. Guys, that's never who we're going to be. It's not, it's not who we are. It has never been my goal to be a cool church. I like to eat whipped cream personally, but you shouldn't. All right? 
It's easy to just have a nice little pep you up lesson and we all get along and everybody walks out of there going, wow, that was one of the coolest illustrations. Guys, at the end of the day, you need to be building your relationship on Jesus. Founding it, digging deep into bedrock and building your life on Jesus Christ. It is vital that you do that because there are storms coming. There are. We all know this intuitively. We just, we just don't want to talk about it. We don't, want to be, we don't want to go down that road because it doesn't feel good. But every one of us in here, we have tragedy in our future. We have difficult things in our future. But if you are, are founded upon Jesus, then you won't, you'll, you'll be moved. You'll, you'll, be, you'll get wet from the storm, all that kind of, but you won't be destroyed. And you won't be swept out the sea. Because why? Because you're holding on to Jesus. And whatever area of your life that is the weak area spiritually, uh, in some of the disciplines that I've talked about, and we're, we're also doing this on Wednesday nights, but some of these disciplines, wherever that area of weakness is, is where the storm is going to come the strongest because Satan knows where he can get you. He just knows. If you're not a person of Scripture, he's going to attack you in your knowledge of God. That's what 2 Corinthians 10 says. If you're not a person of prayer, there is no foundation for that. He says in Mark 8 that it is only by prayer and fasting that you can deal with the spiritual things, even casting out demons. That comes from praying and fasting. We know that financially, you're going to struggle financially if you don't get obedient to God in tithing and giving the way the Lord has said. That's where Satan's going to attack you. He's going to attack you in your worship. If you're not worshiping him the way you're supposed to, and all of a sudden you'll realize you're worshiping something else. You think it's Jesus, and it is not Jesus. He's going to attack you in your purity and in your holiness if that's not where you're working toward him. This is where he's going to attack you. So you've got to have this foundation. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Now, I guess at some level you could say, my job is a teacher of religious law, right? So this sentence kind of bothers me on a pastoral level. They said to Jesus, look at the authority he talks with, not like Scott. I mean, isn't that what he's saying? Not me personally. But here's the thing, guys, this is not just for somebody like me. This is for every one of us. You have the ability to have God's word. And so when you're interacting with somebody, you have the, the, uh, the opportunity, and you have to seize it, and it's not just at that moment, but you have the opportunity to, to, for people to be changed and moved and their minds uh, have a different worldview and a lot of different things because why? You are walking in the authority of Jesus Christ. It's not just your words. It's the word of God. It's what I talked about last week. The Logos. You are actually speaking life like a sword because of, who, of your relationship. Now, that doesn't just start the moment you have the conversation. That starts weeks, months, years of really getting in and saying, God, I need to know who you are. So then when you're having the conversation, then they will say about you like they said about Jesus. Something's different about what they're saying. There's authority in what they're saying. Guys, every one of us need to walk into every setting we go into, our life, community, school, business, anything. And we need to walk in there under the authority of Jesus Christ, speaking truth and life. 
And it may just be a casual conversation, but you seem different to them than other people. Matthew chapter 16. Simon Peter answers, verse 16 also. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. <clears throat> this is something I mentioned this a little bit last week, but this is something that, that um, <clears throat> I said on the, the, the floor of the house. I also I had an article written about me um, from Pagosa, some kind of Pagosa newspaper or something. People send me this stuff, okay? Anytime something, they send it to me. So I got this and I read it, and the guy said he thinks that he can just go in there on the house floor and just preach sermons. Yes, I do. <laughs> Did you get that on the recording? Yes, I do. Anybody, other people can say stuff. Why can't I? They can, they can worship their God of the environment. They can worship their God of, of killing babies. Why can't I say, no, that's not a good idea. That's killing babies. Right? So I do. So I said this in the Martin Luther King speech, but I, I, I did a speech last Friday for Martin Luther King. We were celebrating that. And I said, you know, he says over and over, and I quoted sermons, he said, I quoted parts of speeches where he said that the reason he understood that there was racial equality is because Jesus revealed that to him. There is no people group on the planet that has ever come up with the idea of not enslaving people. Their, their answer is always enslaving people. Every single people group on the planet, every country, every region, everywhere on the planet has enslaved people. The thing that makes America different is that we did it for a much shorter period of time, figured it out because of the understanding of Jesus and the cross and the Bible, and we eradicated it. We are the le Of all the countries of the world, we have the least amount of slavery in our history. And Martin Luther King would say that stuff. Guys, you don't come to conclusions of serving God and understanding purity and understanding relationships and the dynamics that it takes because we're human beings. Human beings destroy relationships. Human beings attack each other. We kill each other, even babies in the wombs. That's what human beings do. But Christians, if you're truly a Christian, you will begin to say, wait a second. These things are wrong. These things cannot be. Jesus created us all equal. There's no greater or lessers. Jesus created us equal. He even did it at conception. So we've got to protect those little babies. These ideas come from Jesus. Humanity brings death and destruction. And I'm seeing that so much every single day. Now I say to you, Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. And so many people, the entire Catholic church has got this wrong. They believe that the, that word rock for Peter and rock that's going to be able to build the church are the same two words, and they're not. Peter is a small stone. And the next one is a takeoff on the word Peter, which is the uh, uh, huge rock or foundational rock. They're not the same word. In English, they're just rock. But they're not the same words 
when Jesus spoke this. They're two different words, little stone and big rock. And so he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter, your name is rock, little pebble, but upon this rock. So what is the rock that he's talking about? It's the thing that that Peter just said that the Holy Spirit showed him he didn't get by himself. And that is, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And Jesus said, now I'm going to build the church on that. I'm the Messiah. I'm the rock. I'm going to build the church on that. He didn't build the church on Peter. There was much better choices than Peter. He didn't build the church on Peter. He never intended that. That was a thing that a group of people put together and said, well, we'll make this a foundation, and Peter will be like our first pope and all this kind of stuff. Guys, that that is nothing close to what Jesus was saying. Jesus said, I'm going to build my rock on what? The the, the church on what? That I am the rock. I'm going to build the church on that. He says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, look at this sentence. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. This is important. Okay, if we're going to be people of faith and prayer, we're going to have to get this. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. You actually have the power and the authority as a Christian to pray in the name of Jesus and that you can bind up demonic situations and circumstances. You can take authority over what Satan is trying to do to your house, to your home, to your marriage, to your finances or whatever. You can take authority over that stuff and say, Jesus, in the authority of Jesus, he says I belong to him and this is what he said my life is supposed to look like. I do this with my kids. Some people the other day, I was listening to them talk, and they were talking about their little kids, and they, you know, they get kids in high school and junior high and all this kind of stuff, and ah, it's difficult to raise teenagers and all this stuff. And I listened to them for a while, and, and, and I said, you know, it is so much more difficult to parent adults. When your kids leave the house, you, you, you know. they lose their minds. They do. Just kidding. You didn't. <laughs> and, and that's not just like for the first two or three years. They can, be, they can be 30 years old and you're going, why did you do that? Why did you think that way? Do you know that's not how to raise kids? I mean, you can go down the gambit of stuff. It is difficult, but you know what you can do? You can take authority over that. And in the name of Jesus, as a parent, I still have spiritual authority over my children. And I can plead the blood of Jesus over them, and I can pray over them. And I can, I can tell Satan, you do not have the authority over my children. I cannot tell you how many times I've said that. And not just as adult kids, but their, their lives. My oldest is 28-ish, I think. For 28 years, I've been praying, Jesus, cover my children with your blood I'm not going to let them do it by themselves. I'm, I'm dad. I'm going to carry them as much as I can. Cover them with your blood. I take authority over this in the name of Jesus. You have that right. You can forbid stuff here on this earth, and the Lord will back it up in the spiritual realm. Now, if you let things go, if you permit stuff on here, uh, uh, if you permit stuff here on earth, the Lord will let you make your decision. He, he did not want them to have a king. And they begged and begged and begged. And finally he said, okay, it is not my plan for you. But if that's what you want, you can have a king. 
And guys, we do that. We do that all the time. And there are many times when the Lord says, this is not my plan for you, but if you want to do it, you can do it. And he will permit it. But I don't want to walk in that arena. I don't want to walk in God permitted me to be an idiot. I want to walk in the realm of, Lord, what is your plan? I walk there. I forbid this in the name of Jesus because the word of God says it. And he's given me that authority. Let me break this down for us. People of faith, that part of what we do with our prayer partners, this is the concept. We want to to be always encouraging and developing us. Let's be people of prayer. Let's be people of faith. Let's expect God to do stuff. God likes to do stuff for us. He tells us over and over in Scripture, ask him, ask him, ask him. He wants to do stuff, and he listens to our prayers. So we need to be people of faith, not just prayer partners here, and we're going to even develop that more some this year, but to to be prayer partners with people in our workplace and our communities and stuff like that. Join with people to pray with them, even if they don't know you're doing it. You don't have to tell them. If somebody's going through something, pray for their marriages. Pray for their kids. Tell them you're going to pray. Expecting God to do big things with us. Even stuff like our building. We've talked about the building. We don't have the, the, uh, the numbers on this yet. We, we did over a million dollars worth of work with our water, sewer, and all that stuff. over. And, and then we kept adding to it with air conditioners and heaters and everything that went out. We bought them so they can go into the new building. We don't have a number for you right now. I'm meeting with the bank this week. We should have numbers within the next couple of weeks to say this is what we're doing. Next week, we're going to be handing out um, uh, commitment cards We just want you to jump in and help us with this. Now, this is not like tithe and missions, okay? Those are the priorities. We want you to think about it and pray about it and ask God what to do for this. This is offerings, okay? But we want you to be engaged. We want you to help with this. We don't, we'll explain that as we go along our expansion going out here. We'll explain all that, okay? We don't, we don't have anything with that yet. But some of our outreaches and ministries, um, we've done, we've done huge outreaches for years, around here at parks, different parks around the city. And we know this was specifically because of us, um, although other groups and churches too, but we know it was specifically for, because of us because of some complaints by a guy that was upset for whatever at the park. Um, the, the city of Colorado Springs has made, in the last two years, has made rules and rules and rules, and basically we cannot do an outreach at the park anymore. We can't give away free food. That is now illegal to give away free food because of horribleness of that. I mean, who does that? That's horrible. And uh, just a bunch of things. We can't, we can't put up any banners or signs. We can't come out of a pavilion and talk to anybody about stuff. I mean, there's a lot of rules. And then they charge us like crazy now. So we can't do outreaches at parks anymore. Um, but we don't have to have a park to do an outreach. We can figure it out, right? we just figure it out. So we're coming up with different ideas of how to do that. We're going to continuously be doing outreach. It doesn't matter the controls or whatever, guys. We're going to be doing outreach, trying to get. We've already been, we've been working for the last couple months with children and youth departments, what this looks like for the outreach that they're doing and how this looks and where they're going and some of this kind of stuff. Um, it's exciting, some of the things that are going on with that. We're going to be working with all of our departments. What are the outreaches you're doing? Not inviting people in. That's not an outreach. We think by opening the doors, that's outreach. That's not out. It's in. It's in reach. That's, we, we're talking outreach. And so we want to be doing these kind of things continually. That's so that we are what? People of faith. To have faith that God can do this stuff. 
people of witness, um, growth as a church. We are, we, this is part of how our building fits in and how our life groups fits in and stuff like this, that as a, as a church, as we're growing, that we're developing what that looks like. Now, here's something, you've heard me say this if you've been around here any length of time. We do not, and as long as I'm pastor, we will never have a church growth plan, okay? We are not trying to grow church at Briargate. We are trying to grow the kingdom of God. Church of Briargate will grow, and then we develop that stuff that help that, but we do not have, we don't, we're not going to set a number and say, well, we need to be 500 people in five years. That stuff disgusts me because what happens is, is you begin to change who you are to make sure you reach a numerical goal, which means absolutely nothing. When we plan some of the, the, the uh, youth of children outreaches we're doing, it's about how many people are we going to engage with the gospel? That's the goals. It's not how many people can we put in seats. If we just started handing out $100 bills, we could surpass 500 next week. But that's not, it's not the point just getting people in the seats. The point is that we can help engage people with Jesus, engage people with Jesus and help them want a relationship with Jesus. And then as we're drawing closer to Jesus, we're bringing others with us. That's the point of this. I am going to do a series this year um, on Wednesday nights having to do with uh, personal evangelism, witnessing, and things like that. My doctoral project included a Bible study, and I've done it like maybe once or twice in the 10, 10 years I've been here, but it, it included a Bible study about how, not just that, that's not the right way, an entire growth program of how you go from not witnessing to witnessing, um, how you develop yourself within that concept. And so we're going to be doing that also um, we're working with our Russian church. We're looking at what that dynamic is going to look like over the next few years. And also any other language ministries that we can possibly bring in. I've had people ask me over the years, how, how many language ministries do you want in your church? Um, how many languages are there? That's how many. Um, obviously, we can't do that in this setting, in this building. Even if we do the expansion, even if we do the master plan of the next thing, we can't have every language group, but we can have some and so we're going to try to do that and try to continue to minister to people in these, kind of, in these kind of concepts. And then also possible life groups around witnessing and around outreach and around engaging people. Some of them already do that, um, but maybe having some that are specifically focused on how, we as a group, how do we witness kind of thing. The last part of this, people of purpose. Why did God make you? I used to ask that question years ago, why did God make it? And people are like, I don't know. Nowadays, when I ask that question, there is a, an assumption that I have that they think God made them. That's not even an assumption anymore. Not only did God not make you, but maybe, maybe I just happened. Maybe there's no, nothing important. Because we want to make sure that people know God made you. And he made you for purpose. Before you were born, while you were still in the womb... He set you apart to be a voice of prophecy to the nations. That's Jeremiah 1.5. You. He planned on you being used by him. He made you specific. We're going to always put emphasis on that. God doesn't make mistakes. He made you, and you're not a mistake, and he's got a plan for you. So what does that look like? Well, some of that is um, join one, start one. 
What do you bring to the table that is unique to you? You do bring something to the table. You can actually minister to people that way. We're going to try to help you figure that out and process that. That all of our ministries, every, everything we do here at CAB is about people knowing, pursuing God and bringing others with them. Knowing Jesus, bringing others with them. That's the point of this. Why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> we will give you opportunities to do things specifically here at church at Briargate. Now, when I grew up in church, the only way you could really do ministry was at church. And there was very limited ways, like be an usher, be part of the music group, right? And the, the favorite one that pastors like to talk about because they didn't want to do it was you could even clean the toilets and it's just to be a ministry to Jesus. Well, I think most ministry you're going to do is be outside the doors of the church. But there are things in the doors of cab that are beneficial to you and to others, something like working with a group of third graders, okay? I know some of you are like, oh, yeah, I get that. I, I don't, that's why I stand here. I'm not going to work with the third graders. I'll see them and try not to remember their name. You know, it's that kind of thing. But some of you, God's created you this way. We want to give you opportunities to do stuff. We want to give you opportunities, okay? So here's what I'd like you to do to really pray about this, seek God about this. I'm going to pray for us. And as I'm praying to really make a commitment in your spirit, Lord, I'm going to go after you, and I want to see how I can do this in the context of people. I want to see how I can do this. God, we commit ourselves right now to you. And Jesus, I want people to know you. I, I don't care if people ever remember the name Church of Bargain. If we, if we know you. So help us to know you. Help us to pursue you that that is a core of our existence, that I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to get in your word. I'm going to pursue holiness. And God, as we look at all this stuff over the next few weeks, please open our hearts. Please open our hearts and that we would engage. Lord, I know that's an individual decision. I can't make it for somebody. But God, I can make it for me. I will go after you with everything about me. And I'll minister to people. I'll bring people with me. My next door neighbors, I'll bring them with me. People at the Capitol, I'll bring them with me. God, I want to pursue you. In the name of Jesus. Lord, and I just pray that over every one of us here. That we would see how we fit into your kingdom. And engage, engage people. And, and even Church of Bargate, God, that we'll, we'll have well, more people even getting involved here. What's going on here? Lord, we need you to be in charge. God, I pray for all of our life group leaders that are sitting out there. Lord, anoint them to do the most amazing that they can do for you. Lord, help us that are not involved in these things to get involved. To engage, to join one, start one. God, help us to do something for you. Lord, I commit myself to you. I commit myself to your kingdom, the furtherance of your kingdom, not just going to church. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. I, I do want to ask you, I knew, I knew going up to the Capitol where there was going to be, you know, you're constantly fighting and engaging and stuff. But um, I thought it, I didn't realize it was going to be every moment of every day. 
So please pray for me when you think about this. Pray that I say the right things at the right time. I don't lose my cool, that kind of thing. And that I engage them with Jesus. Please pray for me anytime you think about me, right? Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you an opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. And God will honor that in your, in your life. It's a guarantee. So go out there, enjoy the life groups, all that, and we'll see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day. It's not.